Good morning. It is Kale and Company live for a Tuesday. Great to have you along with us at WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And uh, very happy to say that joining us on this edition of the program is the executive editor of SoxProspects.com. That would be Chris Hatfield. Chris, welcome back to the show. And, it, you know, there's a chill in the air, but it's never a bad time to talk some baseball, so uh, happy as always to join you. Never a bad time. 365 days a year we, we could do that, no matter Amen. what the weather. But er, You know, everybody's talking soccer now, though, because of the World Cup, and I just wanted to pass along, and there was a huge upset this morning. Have you heard about mm-hmm. this? I have. Yeah, I have. It's yeah. a big one. It's a big one. Saudi Arabia over Argentina. Two That's to one. one That's huge. Well, it's funny because I was looking at the, you know, before the World Cup started, I'm one of these fans who kind of parachutes in for the World Cup. And, right, you yeah, know, like me too. As, yeah. as, as problematic as this year's is, you know, that's a separate story. But, you know, I, I remember looking at a power ranking of the 32 teams, and I'm pretty sure Saudi Arabia was at the end of that ranking. So, uh, you know, you've got Messi losing to potentially the worst team in the tournament is uh, an, interesting, an interesting result, uh, as, all, as they would say. All I can say is if you put a few shekels on Saudi Arabia, you're doing pretty well this morning. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. But let us talk some baseball. The great website is uh, SoxProspects.com. Chris Hatfield is the executive editor uh, of that uh, tremendous uh, website. And I want to start, Chris, with a a true or false question for you today. Okay. Okay. uh, uh, Okay. About the only good thing about your uh, favorite baseball team having a, a terrible season is that the off season should be very intriguing? True or false? Uh, well, this year, sure. This, this year, it's certainly true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I've I've said coming into this off season that this is the off season that's going to define Heim Bloom's tenure as the chief baseball officer as the, as, of the Red Sox, given the amount of money he's got to play with, the amount of places the roster needs upgrades, the amount of options available to him. Uh, it's certainly going to be a, a very interesting offseason to watch for them, and I'm I'm very intrigued by how he approaches filling a number of positions, as I'm sure we're probably going to talk about. I, I think that the clock is ticking, as it uh-huh. were, on uh, uh, Mr. Bloom, and uh, it, you know the Major League Baseball winter meetings will uh, be held in San Diego coming up very uh-huh. shortly, December 4th through the 7th. Will the Red Sox, Chris Hatfield, be among the most active teams? They should be. Uh, I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, they certainly should be. And I, you know, one thing that I've seen some takes about, and I don't think I disagree, uh, that Bloom typically has taken a very sit back and let the market play itself out sort of approach to the off season during his tenure. And I don't think they, the Red Sox can afford to do that this off season. They have too many positions of importance that need to be addressed, um, one of them being shortstop, one of them being getting a top-of-the-rotation type pitcher, one of them being a right fielder, or an outfielder, I guess, generally, but the best fit would probably be right field, that I don't think he can afford to do that again this offseason, and I think that needs to start at the winter meetings. Um, you know, I don't think that in terms of, like, oh, making the fans happy, et cetera, you know, the term of feeding the monster, 
the great Seth Mnookin book that, uh, you know, yep. came back. I, I can't even imagine. I, I don't even want to think about how long ago, but it was about the Theo Epstein tenure. So <laughs> I, I really, like I said, I don't want to think about how long ago that was. But, you know, there's that temptation. I think he resists it almost too well. <laughs> yeah. And I think they need to get after it pretty quickly and fill maybe not all of their holes during during the, the winter meetings. I think that would be too aggressive. But I think, you know, making at least one big splash to kind of get notice out that the Red Sox are in it to, to upgrade the team and be buyers on this market uh, would be a, a great start to the offseason at the very least. And, of course, uh, most Red Sox fans want to see the ball club retain Xander Bogarts mm-hmm. as their shortstop, mm-hmm. although I get, a, I get a feeling the Red Sox don't have the sense of urgency that some of their fans might have. You know, it's, it's a shortstop is interesting, and I think that's where a lot of the offseason is going to start for them. In a vacuum, it's kind of funny, Ken. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I do not think that in a vacuum, which we're not in, but in a vacuum, that Xander Bogart is the best fit on field for this team as as far as best potential option at short. I think that would be Carlos Correa. Um, I think he's a superior defender. You know, maybe at the plate they're probably close uh, at the very least, but, you know, Correa is much more likely to stay at short for much longer than Bogart's. I don't think Bogart's has more than two or three years left at short. And I'll say why that's not maybe necessarily a problem in a minute, but... You know, I think the fact that those two are on the market, as well as Trey Turner from the Dodgers and uh, and Dansby Swanson from the Braves, there are a number of top options available at that position, and that's really the only position where I think you could say that. It's otherwise a pretty weak free agent market this year. Um, you know, I, I think that the Red Sox are okay letting Bogarts go out and see what the market is going to be for him, and I think that they're betting, and I don't think they're necessarily wrong that he's not going to find the $200 million plus contract that he's probably asking for at the moment and has every right to ask for, right? You know, value yourself highly. I get that. I think they're content to let him go out and see that no team is going to pay him to play shortstop for eight years or whatever he's looking for. And then they're going to talk. Okay. Now that you've seen what the market is, let's talk about what your value is. Because I do think outside of that vacuum, taking all things into account, I like Bogarts' fit better than Correa. He's going to take less of a commitment in terms of dollars, less of a commitment in terms of years. I think you can get him for a five- or six-year deal, whereas Correa is going to be looking for eight years. Um, you know, Bogarts, maybe you can get him for 25 to $28 million, as opposed to Correa is going to be looking for 28 to 30 uh, I just like Bogarts' fit, and as far as him moving off the position, in a perfect world, I think he's ready to move off of short right around when their top prospect, Marcelo Meyer, is going to be about ready for the major leagues. Yeah, so that, that's a good yeah, fit there. I was going to just ask you, how much of a factor does Marcelo Meyer play into uh, to all of this? Yeah, you know, I've, I'm always of the mind that you do not plan for the major league roster um, as far as a prospect goes until they are at least in double A. And Meyer finished last year in high A. Too much can change. Uh, be that on the major league roster or in the minors. You know, I can still remember when the Red Sox had a, a, a prospect at second base by the name of Mookie Betts, and everyone wondered how they were going to fit Mookie Betts on the roster with Dustin Pedroia at second, and it works itself out. Someone can move, be it the prospect or the major leaguer. Sometimes guys get hurt, be it the major leaguer or the prospect. Sometimes the prospect doesn't pan out. I mean, how many top guys have they had that, yeah. that don't pan out? So I, I'm not ready to plan for him yet, but I like... The potential for him to slide in behind Bogarts, you know, should it work out that way, I think is a nice plus. It's not necessarily the reason you go Bogarts, but it's it's an option. 
And, and how much of a factor is is Trevor's story? I mean, he's an alternative mm-hmm. anyway at shortstop for you know a couple of years, maybe. He is uh, I, I, potentially. I don't love it. I don't think his arm is good enough to play short anymore. He had one of the worst throwing arms in the majors last year, in terms of you know a number of kind of the advanced metrics. Uh, you know, there was the report earlier this offseason that the Red Sox were calling other teams about their second baseman. I think there was a lot of conjecture by the other team's executives that the the reporter Mark Feinstein talked to. I think that's like plan Z. Yeah. <laughs> if the shortstop market doesn't pan out, you know, look, like say Bogart, Swanson, Turner, and and um, and Correa all go for way more than the Red Sox are willing to pay. It turns out to be a player's market then maybe that's the fallback. But even at that point, you know, are you bringing back a Jose Iglesias to play short? Um, you know, look, the Red Sox didn't play Trevor Story a single inning at shortstop this past year right. when yeah. they were playing guys like Kike Hernandez and Christian Arroyo there. I think that says all you need to know about uh, what they think of him at short. Yeah, I, I think so. Is his arm good enough to still play second base? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I, and you know, in a in a Major League Baseball scenario where the, the shift has been banned, I think having him at second base is a tremendous position for the Red Sox to be in. You need a top-line defender at second base again. And I think that that's, that's, uh, that's going to hurt Xander Bogarts' market, in fact, because a lot of his defensive value this past year was added on the second base side of the bag in the shift. Yeah. If you look at the base, his baseball savant page, he was much better on that side of the bag than on the shortstop side. Um, you know, again, I think I'm okay with him. I'm okay with Bogarts at short for a year or two, but I think the ship has sailed on story at, at, uh, at shortstop. So, so in a perfect world, Chris, mm-hmm. who would you like to see opening day a shortstop for the Red Sox? Uh, either Bogarts or Correa, because the thing with Correa versus Turner or Swanson is that Correa doesn't come with draft pick compensation. Mm. Um, you don't lose a pick for signing him. He's already received a qualifying offer last year. So he think he couldn't get one this year whereas Turner and or Swanson would require the Red Sox to give up both their second and fifth round picks to sign them, as well as some international bonus money. Um, I think, all things considered, I'd prefer Bogarts. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not saying that as a fan, <laughs> but as a fan, Bogarts is one of my favorite players I've seen come up through the system. Um, but even outside of that, I like his fit. I think it says something for this team to retain someone. Um, you know, both in the locker room and to Major League Baseball, that look, we are going to keep guys around. This isn't, you know, not that in Major League Baseball people think this, but it, the whole Rays North narrative, I think keeping a guy around like Bogarts will help for that. And it'll help with Rafi Devers, too, who they, you know, need to really think about extending. Exactly. Um, so I, 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 I like the idea of keeping Bogarts. Uh, Correa is 1B by a very narrow margin. All right. Well, Chris Hatfield is with us. Uh, Chris, hang in there for a couple of minutes. We have to take a quick break. Sure thing. Uh, Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at anydelta.com or deltadentalcoversme.com. Back with Chris Hatfield, the executive editor of SoxProspects.com, right after these words on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com Welcome back. It's Kale and Company live for a Tuesday. Chris Hatfield is with us and he is the executive editor of a great website if you're a Red Sox fan or just a baseball fan in general. You won't want to miss SoxProspects.com It's been around how many many years has it been around now, Chris? 
You know, I think we're coming up on year 20 in 2023, Ken. So wow. it's, it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. Well, let me uh, wish you a happy anniversary. Happy 20th Thank anniversary you, on Sox Prospects. Have you been there since day one? Uh, no, I joined the site in uh, in 2005. You know, it kind of started just as uh, our, our editor-in-chief, Mike Andrews, sort of, you know, passion project on his own. And, and it's it's grown to a point that I don't think he really thought it would uh, at that point. Even when I joined, it was just, you know, a blog where we you know, updated on the days, prior days, minor league games and that sort of thing. So it's, it's certainly grown a lot to where we've got scouting reports on, you know, pretty much any player in the system, certainly anyone of note. And, uh, and, and you know, we're, we're kind of seen as an authority on this sort of thing. It, it's kind of been, it's been really neat to, to see how far it's come in such a short amount of time. And thanks to no small part to the support of folks like you. You've been with us for a long, long time. I can still remember when you would have, uh, our guy Chris Mellon on the show uh, back in the day. So, yep. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So it's been it's been a, it's been a trip. That's for sure. We we thank everyone who's come to read us, and if you haven't yet, come check us out. Yeah, Chris used to sit in with me from uh, time to time as well when I was doing mm-hmm. uh, Lowell Spinners games back uh, yes. back in the day. And uh, boy, I tell you what, uh, I I miss those Lowell Spinners. I I really do. But uh, you know, I yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I don't think the door is shut on that. I think if they get some some work done in Lillasher Park, it would not surprise me to see a minor league team in Lowell again. So well, I don't think that door has been closed yet. I hope so. It's such a great ballpark, and uh, the fan base there was was so good over the years. It was. Was a shame to see them go, but that's another story for another for sure. day. And uh, Chris, uh, the Red Sox, it, it's it's pretty glaring, but in, in your mind, what's the biggest need of the Boston Red Sox in this offseason? You know, if I can get a little away from kind of the hard sort of they need this position, they need that position, they just need to figure out their identity, I think, to some degree, and, and shore up everything. I mean, they, they have so many needs that I think they just need to go out there and who are the Boston Red Sox three years from now? Do you have any idea? Because I don't. No. Um, you know, no. is, it, is it a lineup anchored by Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers? Is it a lineup anchored by folks who aren't in town yet? I don't know. And I think they need to figure that out. They need to figure out who their cornerstones are. And that's another reason why I think to some degree, you know, you look at that left side of the infield and Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers. Are they going to be your shortstop and third baseman five, six, seven years from now? Probably not. You know, I, and I don't think that should necessarily preclude you from from committing to them. You know, if if Cal Ripken Jr. can move to third base later in his career, if Alex Rodriguez can move to third base later in his career, so can Xander Bogarts. Rafi Devers can move off third. I'm not as worried about that. But I think they just need to create what their identity is and show everyone, you know, inside the organization, uh, inside the rest of Major League Baseball, in the fan base, they are committed to building a team that will compete long term, and I think they are. I think Heim Bloom came in, looked at the situation that he took over, and just said, "Look, this is not a situation that's sustainable. We almost kind of need to reset a bit." And this is the offseason where it's time to push the chips in. You know, sign some free agents. I think when you look at some of their holes, for example, in, in the outfield, I think that's a position that might be best addressed via the trade market rather than through free agency. It's a pretty weak free agency class in the outfield. Once you get past Aaron Judge, who's probably the best free agent available, um, you know, you start talking about guys like Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, old friend Andrew Benintendi. Yep. I, I'm more excited by the trade market if you look at guys like Brian Reynolds from the Pirates, 
the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be selling one of their younger outfielders. Um, you know, guys like potentially Alec Tana uh, is a name. Corbin Carroll is another name, kind of younger guys in the outfield. They, you know, I think they're a lot more exciting to me than the likes of, of a Nimmo who's got a draft pick compensation attached again. Um, you know, I, I like those options a lot better. It's time to start, you know, stop being the, the organization that hoards minor league depth. And, and go out and get some major league players and, and commit to winning at the major league level and build not an Uber team. You know, Theo Epstein used to say you have to resist the urge to build an Uber team, but build a team that's going to be a competitor in a very strong AL East. It's easier said than done, but this is the time they got to do it. So who are the chips? Who are some of the chips the Red Sox might dangle in an effort to get, you know, maybe a player or two that, that you just mentioned? Sure. Well, you know, it, it's, it, we talked a little bit about Marcelo Meyer. I can't see them moving him. I think he's just too good of a prospect for them to move him. And I, I just can't see them getting sufficient value in return. There's a couple other guys that I don't know that they would move. Um, Brian Bayo, I think, is, is a guy they're going to rely on at the major league level this year to move him. You would need to get major league value back. And I don't know that they would get that. Um, beyond that, you know, one guy that I'm thinking about that they could potentially move is a Utility defender who, who mostly put profiles in center field by the name of Sedan Rafaela, who finished last year in double A Portland. Tremendous, tremendous defensive player. Um, he's their defensive player of the year in the system two years running. Uh, just makes a highlight reel play both at center field or at short, which he can also play at an above average, if not plus level on the week, on a weekly basis. Uh, I have questions about the bat. He has a very aggressive approach, does not take many pitches. He doesn't strike out a lot, so it can be easy to kind of misinterpret, you know, to, to miss it. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that's carrying a high strikeout rate, but what he does is he gets himself out making weak contact on pitches outside of the zone. If you can find a team that really likes Rafaela as a potential future regular, I could see him being a guy that they move this offseason. Um, I think he's got a lot of value. He's kind of on the back of some top 100 list. Uh, he's a guy that I think would be a prime target to move. They've got some guys a little lower than that. You know, our, our number, I think, three prospect in the system right now is an outfielder in the Florida Complex League by the name of Miguel Blaze, a top prospect out of the Dominican. I have a feeling that he actually might be too good for them to move, just in the sense that he's so far away. I can't see them getting sufficient value to move him. He's a potential five-tool center field prospect that we are really excited about. I think we're higher than a lot of other outlets on him. Uh, and I've got a feeling we'll be we'll be... In the long run, you know, proven right on that one. But again, that's why we had him there, right? Um, yep. They've got some pitching depth. Brandon Walter and AAA, who they just added to the to the forty man roster. Um, you know, Nick York, a second baseman who finished last year in High A, had kind of a tough year. But if you find someone who really truly believes in the bat, I see him being a guy that could move. But it all kind of depends on what they're going for in return. You know, if you're going for that starting major league outfielder from. The Pirates or the Diamondbacks, you're going to have to move some pieces. Raphael is a guy I could see them moving with with some some other pieces built around him. Um, if you're just you know looking for a relief pitcher, which that's another area I could see them addressing via trade. You know, maybe you don't need to quite give up that much. But uh, I think there are some areas where they've built these chips up. Now is the time to to push them in and and get some major league talent for this minor league depth that Bloom has done a very good job of building. But you know, at some point you got to use it. I think we're going to see that both in terms of trades and in terms of guys like Bayo. Tristan Costas matriculating up to the major league roster and helping out that way. 
Yeah, I know. There's a lot more depth now than there was uh, under Dave Dombrowski, certainly, uh, in the in the minor league system, without question. Uh, Haim has done a great job there, and I think a lot of people uh, don't recognize that, but uh, he has done a, a good job in that regard. It hasn't really resulted in uh, you know any success for the major league team at this point, but uh, mm-hmm. he has done a great job in, in uh, restocking that, that minor league system, for sure. But but we got to talk about a, a, a sexy signing, though. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. really, the, okay. these, these trades may help the team. Uh, there's no doubt about it, some of the things you've suggested here. But what about a sexy signing? I think the franchise needs that, not only for their play on the field, uh, but for you know marketing, for TV ratings. They need, <laughs> they, they need somebody sexy in that lineup. It, it makes sense. That, you know, it, it's funny because the spots that they have had open up, you know, it doesn't look as sexy if you keep Xander Bogarts as opposed to going to get Carlos Correa, right? It, it, you know, appearances are deceiving. It, it's certainly an upgrade, but like I said, there's other considerations there. You know, I, I don't think that signing is there in the outfield. I don't know that that signing is there in the rotation. That's the other spot that you could potentially have seen it, but are you going to be that team that gives Justin Verlander at, gosh, what is he, 39 now? Um you know, that, that uh, Max Scherzer three-year huge money deal. I don't know that I see them doing that. Um, you know, it, 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 do you run it back with Nathan Eovaldi and say that our starting rota- starting pitching upgrades are moving Garrett Whitlock into the rotation and having Brian Bayo for a full year? I don't love it, but, you know, once you get past this sort of a big four of, uh, you know, DeGrom, Verlander, um, Chris Bassett, and uh, I why am I blanking on the fourth pitcher that's out there? There's four pitchers with draft pick compensation attached to them, or three with draft pick compensation attached to them, and Verlander. I don't know that I see the Red Sox going in on them. You know, are you bringing back Nathan Eovaldi? Again, it's not sexy, but he might be the next best guy available, and he certainly likes pitching here, and you know he can pitch here. So We'll see what they do. So so no, no chance of, of Aaron Judge uh, in a Red Sox uniform? I don't know that I say there's no chance. The fit would be very interesting because it's the trickle down of what do you do with short, what do you do in the rotation from there. Could happen. It certainly could happen, and I think they'll talk to him. But I, I see him going back home to California personally, if not if not staying in the Bronx. So maybe San Francisco. Yeah, he, he's from Sacramento. He's meeting with the Giants today. Uh, I could see San Francisco. There's a rumor that the Dodgers are going to get involved and move Mookie Betts back to second. I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think Giants or Yankees. Chris, uh, can you hang on for one more segment? Sounds like a plan, brother. All right. Chris Hatfield with us. He's the executive editor of SoxProspects.com. Check it out right now. Uh, It'll be well worth your while if if you're a Red Sox fan or or even if you're not. We'll take a break. Kale and Company will continue right after these words on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Stay with us. Kale and Company live for a Tuesday. On WKXL, presented by Northeast Delta Dental, Chris Hatfield is our guest. For a few more minutes today, we could talk to Chris uh, all day, really bouncing baseball stuff off him. Uh, but uh, it, it, Chris, the guy, a guy I would like to see at, at shortstop, and you know, I, I love Xander Bogarts, but if that's you know not going to work out, or you know, Bogarts has to be moved to third, or whatever the, the situation might be, uh, I, I love Trey Turner. I really do. I, I mean, mm-hmm. what what a catalyst he would be for this team that really doesn't have one. Yeah, I, you know, it's the type of exciting guy 
that the Red Sox have really not had at the top of the lineup for some time. You probably have to go back to like a Jacoby Ellsbury to find a guy with that kind of speed, especially where, you know, Jaron Duran really hasn't turned into that kind of player given his speed. Uh, it would be a nice thing to have. And, and, you know, it's kind of funny you mention it. Speaking of the major league rules changes, we're seeing teams maybe potentially putting a bit more emphasis on speed where you're going to have bigger bases, limits on pickoffs, that sort of thing, a pitch clock. Yep. It really might lead to that type of player having more value in this, you know, in this era of Major League Baseball. So that's certainly an intriguing option. Like I said, the thing for me with Trey Turner is the draft pick compensation. Right. If I have a couple of options in Bogarts and Carlos Correa available, you know, the fit for Carlos Correa, I alluded it to, to it earlier, but the fact that he's a guy who sees a lot of pitches, high on base value, you know, I think back to the way that Kyle Schwarber, very different player, but the way that Kyle Schwarber fit in this lineup at the end of 2021 as a guy who took pitches, worked counts, that sort of thing. Carlos Correa can be that kind of guy for you in a lineup that is otherwise very aggressive if you look at guys like Devers. Um, you know, getting that type of bat in the lineup is also a potentially good fit, but I hear what you're saying on Correa. Uh, certainly would not be a bad fallback option if you could even call him that at shortstop for sure. You know, we saw Tristan Casas uh, last year come up to the, the major league level. Now, you know, and I had not seen much of him uh, in, in the minor leagues, but he he strikes me as a very patient hitter as well in the middle of that lineup. He is. And, you know, you look at him, his nickname is El Coloso. You know, he's a big, big dude. Yeah. And it's just not the type of hitter you think you're going to see. You think you're going to get, uh, you know, maybe Pedro Serrano type guy up there or something. I don't know. But, you know, he's a guy up there. He's got some thump in the bat, great power, certainly. But he's a guy who approaches hitting, you know, in a very professional way. He wants to put in professional at-bats. He's a thinker, you know, maybe not an overthinker. Like, a, you know, I think back to Lars Anderson, probably thought himself out of a major league career, potentially. But, uh, yeah, he definitely is a guy that goes up there, and, and, and he really has to kind of figure out what kind of hitter he's going to be in the major leagues, which is only really something you can do in the majors. Are you going to be that guy that hits 280 with, you know, 20, 25 bombs? Or are you going to maybe go, you know, to be that 260 hitter who, who pushes 40, you know, maybe like a, a Pete Alonso type? I think he's got the, the ceiling to be either of those type of hitters. We'll see if that's what he turns into. One thing that I want to see after this past year is I want him to stay, to stay healthy. Yeah. He missed a couple of months with an ankle injury. and He actually was supposed to spend this winter down in Lise in the Dominican Republic. Uh, playing down there, but after three games, he left with a knee injury, and uh, then he, you know, he came back to Boston. Got, I, I believe, an MRI on it. Came back clean, but I think the team probably rightfully so had him play it safe, and he came back to the U.S. But I just want to see him make up for those at bats. I've, I've got him penciled in as the starting first baseman entering the year, even with Eric Hosmer on the roster. Because keep in mind too, DH is open as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking about potential additions. Folks have thrown around names like Jose Abreu. I'd rather see them keep DH open, rotate guys like Eric Hosmer through, or, you know, if you get a good matchup for Christian Arroyo or Rob Ref Snyder, maybe you start one of those guys in the field and give one of your starters a day, uh, you know, off their feet a little bit while keeping their bat in the lineup. But again, that's another spot. Maybe they could add a potential, uh, a little bit of thump to the lineup if they really wanted to, if they want to get creative. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited for what Casas can be in the majors. I think we need to be patient. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that comes right out and, uh, you know, is an immediate number four hitter for you or anything like that. But his development is going to be fun to watch, I think, given the type of hitter that he is 
uh, as you allude to. I think I think that's a great point, and I'm I'm excited for the Costner at first base. Finally, getting a guy in the lineup that maybe can get them some production for the major league minimum, so they can spend elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was very impressed by his defense at first base. I mean, the Red Sox have yeah. gone a couple of years now without uh, a player who could oh, really man. play the position, but he can. Uh, he's a, of, he was terrific. Breath of fresh air. Yeah, definitely a breath of fresh air there. That's a great point. You know, he he can field the position for a big guy. You know, he was a third baseman when they drafted him, and. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have the, the, the feet to, to move over there in the hands, but he can feel the position at first. Uh, you know, he's a big guy that, that reach really plays, right? I mean, you're probably cutting a couple feet off the throw from third base or from shortstop. So, you know, that's huge. But, yeah, he really can pick it over there, especially after what they were putting out there for a couple of years. That's not the worst thing in the world. The uh, other thing that concerns me is the catching situation. Will the Red Sox have any interest in Christian Vasquez? In the free agent market? They could. They certainly could. And, you know, coming out of the year, I think, talking with, uh, with Ian Cundell, our director of scouting on our podcast, we were okay with them if they wanted to go into the year with a, a, a Reese McGuire, Connor Wong platoon like they kind of ended the year with. That wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to me. But at the season-ending press conference, Heinz Bloom said catcher's an area where they might upgrade. Now, does that mean Vasquez? Maybe. I, I don't know. It certainly could. A lot of folks have thrown around a potential trade with Oakland for their catcher, Sean Murphy. And, you know, that would certainly be an exciting addition. He's a very good uh, two-way catcher. He's great defensively, and he's, he's certainly not a, a zero at the, at the plate either. That would be an exciting addition. I just kind of wonder with the number of areas they need to upgrade, what does that mean elsewhere? You know, does that mean that you may be in right field go with a, a Rob Snyder platoon with, with someone, I don't know, and is that better than, you know, going with a true starting right fielder and, and platooning the, the catcher position? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And that's why I, I think there's a lot of directions they could go. Do you just, you know, bring back a Vasquez? Do you go with that platoon? Do you go out and go high-end like, like Murphy? There's a lot of ways they could play it depending on how they want to use their chips they want to use the money they have available. I mean, they've got at least $85 million available to spend under the CBT, and they certainly could go higher than that and add a lot of pieces to this team. So that how they choose to approach the catcher situation is really going to have ramifications elsewhere. So we'll have to see how Bloom wants to play. It may just depend on the market. You mentioned uh, Brian Bayo, and uh, there's a good chance he'll be part of the starting rotation in, in 2023. Any other mm-hmm. starters in the organi- organization that are, you know, uh, maybe a, a year or two away? You know, it's, it's interesting. One, one guy that I think we all keep in mind but still sort of forget about, Garrett Whitlock is a guy they're moving into the rotation this year, and yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does there. I know there's a lot of folks who are in the, but the bullpen. Um, sort of scenario. And I think last year when they tried to move him into the rotation, it wasn't the right time because it left their bullpen just completely barren. And I, you know, I, I think that Heimblum needs to kind of take, uh, you know, the, the, some of the blame for that is I think the bullpen was just really under, um, understaffed a, a bit last year with what they had coming in and some of the additions they did make. You know, Matt Strom was fine, Jake Diekman. Yeah. Um, I think if they do a better job of building up that bullpen, I really do want to see what Woodlock does in the rotation. Uh, but coming in behind them, you know, I think the, the best chance they have for a starter in, in AAA would either be Brian Mata, uh, who came back from Tommy John last year, or uh, Brandon Walter, who actually missed pretty much the second half of last year with a, a bulging disc. 
issue uh, in his back or you know, kind of upper back. I, I, those are your best options. Walter is a guy out of the you know, noted baseball powerhouse, the University of Delaware. Um, you know, a lefty, big guy, kind of throws from a three-quarters to low three-quarters arm slot, great command and control. Uh, you know, at, at the very least, I think would have a floor as a lefty out of the bullpen. Mata, premium stuff, has touched 100. Uh, to me, his, his issue is just the fastball command and whether the mechanics, whether the delivery is a starter's delivery or a reliever's delivery. I think both of those guys have potential as major league arms, be it in the rotation or the bullpen. But if they're going to get another starter out of the system, I, I would bet it on being one of those two. They're both top 10 guys in our rankings. Uh, both on the 40-man roster. I think they're both going to get their major league debuts this year, and I'm excited to see where they turn out. You know, Some of the guys that came up last year, your Josh Winkowski's, your Connor Siebold, don't know that you're getting a starter out of either of them. Those are depth guys. These guys are maybe a little bit higher on my depth chart in terms of potential major league starters. Well, Chris Hatfield, it's, it's always terrific having you on the program. As we said, we could go hours with you. I know you do <laughs> podcasts on uh, sure. SoxProspects.com that uh, people yep. uh, can listen to, and uh, the, the site is terrific, and we always appreciate uh, having you on. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Same to you and same to everybody listening. Uh, definitely my favorite holiday, I think, and it's a, it's a great time of year. So thanks for having me on, and I hope everybody enjoys the holiday. All right, Chris, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Right. Take, Take care. care Bye-bye. Bye. Chris Hatfield, executive editor of SoxProspects.com. Check it out. Kale & Company, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more about your plan. Find your plan at anydelta.com or deltadentalcoversme.com. We will uh, take a break. Kale & Company will continue right after these words on WKXL and NH Talk. It is Kale & Company live here on WKXL, 1450 on the AM dial, 103.9 FM in Concord and vicinity, and 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world, around the clock, at nhtalkradio.com. I'm reading uh, the Concord Monitor today, and kudos once again to the uh, Windmill Restaurant on Loudon Road in Concord. Great spot for breakfast and other meals as well. But uh, I'm mentioning them today because for the 32nd time, they are preparing free holiday meals for those in need in Concord and uh, vicinity. This will be year number 32. But there is a twist uh, this year, and that is that uh, Cat, not my producer, but Concord Area Transit will be providing free rides uh, for those in need of one to the Windmill Restaurant on Thursday to get their Thanksgiving meal. Uh, windmill will be open between 11 and 3 on Thursday or until the food runs out. But uh, they're also accepting uh, cash and pie donations and welcome volunteers as well. If you want to volunteer uh, at the windmill on Thanksgiving Day, uh, 603-225-0600. Now, those in need of a free round-trip ride must reserve a seat on a Concord Area Transit bus by 2.30 tomorrow. By 2.30 tomorrow afternoon. 
and you'll be able to get a free ride from Concord Area Transit uh, to and from the Windmill Restaurant on Loudon Road. But you have to reserve a ride by 2.30 tomorrow at 603-225-1989. That's uh, 603-225-1989. So there you go. Great service provided uh, by the Concord Area Transit folks and, of course, the uh, Windmill Restaurant on Loudon Road. They've been providing those free Thanksgiving meals now for 32 years. That is amazing. Well, thanks again to uh, Chris Hatfield. You know, I still, uh, you know, and I, I would love to see, I'm, an, I'm a fanboy from way back, but I would love to see Aaron Judge in a Red Sox uniform. I really would. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, here's a guy that hits the ball to all fields. So, you know, I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, Fenway Park would be, you know, uh, an advantageous park for him. And, you know, the left field monster is there, uh, 310 feet down the line. And, uh, you know, a lot of left-handed, now Judge is a right-handed batter, a lot of left-handed batters over the years have used the green monster to their advantage. The one that immediately comes to my mind is Wade Boggs, who made a career of hitting doubles, sometimes singles, sometimes doubles, depending on how hard the ball was hit, but uh, off the left field wall. And uh, so he was a left-handed batter, and there have certainly been others over the years uh, who have taken advantage of it. Uh, David Ortiz, maybe to a lesser extent, but certainly Wade Boggs and uh, other left-handed batters have used that left field wall to their advantage, and Judge probably would too, but Judge is a guy that can uh, you know, hit the ball out of the Grand Canyon uh, and go to all fields. So, I mean, it's not, it's not because of the configuration of Fenway Park that I want to see uh, Aaron Judge wearing that Red Sox uniform, but it's uh, all the things that he can bring to uh, the Red Sox in terms of a presence like his, whether it be at the top of the order like uh, he was so successful with uh, you know, with the Yankees this year, uh, hitting out of the leadoff spot, or in the middle of the order. Because uh, let's face it, the Red Sox are losing uh, a designated hitter in J.D. Martinez. I don't think the Red Sox are signing J.D., and uh, I hope they don't uh, because I think his skills are eroding. He's getting up there in age, and he did not have uh, – those last two years have not been that good. Uh, so I, I hope they don't uh, re-sign him. Uh, you know, they do have some – you know, if they keep Xander Bogarts, uh, Rafael Devers will be around. Uh, Tristan Casas will probably be the regular first baseman if – he can stay healthy, but certainly a lot of questions surrounding this team, and it's not only starting pitching in the bullpen, but it's uh, how are they going to produce runs. That's uh, another issue that, that the Red Sox uh, are, are facing. Uh, you know, uh, Bogarts uh, certainly had, had a fine year this, this past season, and, and uh, Rafi Devers, although his production really tailed off, uh, in the second half of the year, uh, year Casas is very intriguing uh, because of the fact that he is very patient uh, at the plate. And from what we saw of him uh, in the last month or so of the season with the Red Sox, he can play the position at first base. And the Red Sox really haven't uh, haven't had a legitimate first baseman uh, in in quite some time. So I think he would uh, bring that. But is that enough? Is that enough? 
We'll have to find out. The Red Sox uh, have a lot of money to spend. I'm, I'm just thinking about the starting rotation. Nick Pavetta uh, will, will be in it for sure. Uh, maybe a Nathan Avaldi if they resign him uh, to a, a, a deal for a couple of years. Uh, Brian Bayo, he showed flashes of, I wouldn't say brilliance, but flashes of being uh, you know, a, a decent major league pitcher uh, this past season. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, as you know, Chris mentioned, Chris Hatfield mentioned, Garrett Whitlock uh, coming out of the bullpen to be in the starting rotation, Rich Hill. And, of course, there is the X factor. The X factor is Chris Sale. Can he stay healthy? Stay off your bike, Chris. You can afford Uber. You can afford Uber Eats to have someone deliver a meal. You don't have to go out on your bicycle and get a sandwich. You're not 11 years old. You're making hundreds of millions of dollars. You don't need somebody. You need somebody to, to deliver a sandwich to you. You don't need to get it yourself. Remember, he fell off his bike allegedly going out to get some lunch while he was rehabbing last year. Chris Sale has been uh, he's been worthless to the team now for the past three seasons, and during that time he has made well over one hundred million dollars being worthless to the Boston Red Sox. It is time that uh, Chris Sale started to earn his keep as a as a member of this team. I mean, he really did not do much for the Red Sox in their World Series championship year of 2018. Yes, people will remember him getting the final out of the game, pitching the final inning of Game 5 against the Dodgers. But, folks, he did not make a huge contribution to that team uh, that year in 2018. So 2018, okay. I mean, uh, you know, he, 2019, forget about it. 2020, no. 2021, no. Less than 2022. I mean, this guy hasn't done much. I said three years. It's closer to five years. And he hasn't done much for this team. So we'll, we shall see what happens. Celtics lost to the Bulls in Chicago Monday night, 121 to 107. Tatum had uh, 28 points in a losing cause. Jalen Brown added 25. Malcolm uh, Bragdon, 23. But it wasn't enough. Celtics saw their nine-game winning streak come to an end last night. They were flat. They spent two off days in Chicago. Maybe that wasn't such a good idea. They uh, played in New Orleans, won that game on Friday night, then flew to Chicago. Celtics had uh, two days off in the windy city of Chicago. Hmm, I wonder if there's any coincidence there that they did not play well last night. Uh, Celtics 13-4. and four, They will be hosting the 9-7 and seven Dallas Mavericks Wednesday night at the Toronto Dominion Garden. The uh, Boston Bruins... Well, they continued their winning ways on Monday, 5-3, to three, on the road against the very tough Tampa Bay Lightning. David Krejci, Nick Foligno, who was injured during uh, the morning skate yesterday in Tampa. Uh, Charlie Coyle, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak all scored for the Bees. And Linus Ulmark made 32 saves. Bruins now 17-2-0, one for the seventh consecutive time. They'll travel to Sunrise, Florida tomorrow night to take on the Florida Panthers. Jimmy Garoppolo, remember him? He threw for four touchdowns last night in Mexico City as the 49ers defeated the uh, hapless Arizona Cardinals 
8 to 10. Boy, they love their football, their American football I'm talking about, in Mexico City. And, and speaking of football, a.k.a. soccer, as we mentioned at the top of the show, huge upset today, huge. Saudi Arabia, two. Argentina, one. Of course, uh, the U.S. and uh, Wales battle to a 1-1 tie yesterday. Hate to see ties in such a, a great competition like the World Cup. But anyway, the U.S. will play England on uh, Friday at 2 o'clock. Well, the music means we have to mosey on out of here. Make way for some other great programming here on WKXL. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about the gift of lights at New Hampshire Motor Speedway coming up in a very short time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Kat for producing the program. And we will see you tomorrow right here. Kale and Company live on WKXL. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.